A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. You're listening to Star Wars Beyond the Films, the official expanded universe podcast of StarWarsReport.com. There is a great disturbance in the force. That's right, Whistler. You're listening to episode 186 of Star Wars Beyond the Films. Your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division, at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes, Zoom, as well as Stitcher, and right on your own Twitter and Facebook pages at SWBeyondFilms. Hey, but enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of the multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herleman. And with me, like the smell of a Wookiee that Chewie leaves all over the Falcon, the EU guru himself, the count of those two continuities, Mr. Nathan P. Butler. Ew, that's kind of nasty, but uh, hey, everybody. You bring that Wookiee funk. I am now very much like Rota the Hut. Stinky. Star Wars Beyond the Films, we ask the tough questions. Questions that have bothered you for a long time, or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars, and so do we. This episode, we focus once more on your feedback. Once again, your emails take center stage. Now consider that your spoiler warning, Beyonders and Sentients of All Ages, because here we go on another adventure beyond the films. That's right, we haven't done one of these in quite a while. So understand that we have a lot of feedback sitting here. What we're going to do is take some of the people who sent in one piece of feedback and get most of them addressed here in this episode. Then those who sent in multiple pieces will be working into another future feedback episode in the relatively near future. So if you sent in feedback and you sent in more than one and you're thinking, why isn't my feedback in this episode? It's because we're having to somewhat prioritize here in how to get as much bang for our time as we can in a short recording session, knowing that we're going to need more than one feedback episode to hit everything. So bear that in mind ahead of time, not trying to slight anybody. The first feedback for this episode comes from, well, back in May. It's been a while since we've done one of these. This comes from Jeff Lopez in Virginia, who says, Hey guys, during the past show, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a while. Mark made a note of two legend stories that were just recently released. One you called Star Wars Adventures Book 3, and the other a Tor Online story, that is, The Old Republic. You never mentioned the titles, so I wanted to confirm I was on the same page. Was the first one The Big Switch from the Adventures in Hyperspace series written by Ryder Wyndham that was made available online? And was the second one The Old Republic, The Sixth Line, Part 1 and 2 from the Tor website? Nathan. Will you ultimately include this and the other dozen or so tour short story and in-universe character interviews slash articles as part of the Star Wars Timeline Gold's Legends file? One other question. 
Do you have any insight into the confusion that is the Star Wars magazines for young readers? These are the magazines that are reprinted material from Star Wars Comic UK. The Clone Wars magazine ran for 22 issues and then became Star Wars magazine. The Star Wars magazine ran only three issues that I'm aware of before simply disappearing without any notice from Titan magazines. By the way, did Titan just keep my subscription payment? That seems wrong somehow. I now see that there's a Star Wars Rebels magazine that's published by Edgemont UK Limited, so I assume this is a UK-only title. Do you know if we're getting a companion US version as we've gotten in the past with the other titles? Love the show, and thanks. You know, like I said, it's been a while since we've seen this. Uh, we have seen some Legends material released online. There was that uh, big switch from Adventures in Hyperspace that was released online. They are releasing quite a few of the different stories from the Old Republic's website. They've released some recently, some going further back, including the ones uh, that you mentioned there, Jeff. And, of course, we've also got things like Skywalkers, you know, Abel Pena's Skywalkers that was released. And then, of course, we have Heart of the Jedi by Kenneth C. Flint that's being released. But, of course, the, there's some question. It depends on which ones you're looking at. Like, the ones that are on the Tor website, those are official Legends continuity. Skywalkers, official Legends continuity. But if you look at something like Heart of the Jedi, it was originally written to be part of that continuity, but it's not. This is just being released as sort of a curiosity out there, saying, hey, this is what might have been, this is what would have been published, but since it wasn't, now here it is. Basically, is sort of what amounts to like a super glorified fan fiction kind of thing. So it just kind of depends on which ones you're looking at, whether they should be counted. I'm going to be slowly but surely gathering up the things for the Star Wars Timeline Gold, like the short stories and info from the Tor website. In fact, one of our listeners, uh, Jameson Glass, is doing a great job of sending me a lot of info on that and sending me links to YouTube videos of things from the game that need to be covered. There's just not enough time in the day yet. I know it will not be on this year's edition. I just have to basically figure out my time issues so I know when it's okay to work on the timeline, when I'm going to have the time. You would think that working from home predominantly would provide a lot more opportunities to work on it, and it does to a degree, but not so much over the last about six months or so for some reason. So uh, I'll be adding that as we go. As for the magazines out of the UK, from what I understand, the Rebels magazine is eventually going to get a US publication that was recently announced. They've also now got the other Star Wars Adventures magazine that's going on in the UK uh, that I believe they've also said is eventually going to wind up over here too. But yeah, it seems like what they're tending to do is just, they in the UK, they're changing names with the times. As Clone Wars was wrapping up, they put out the Star Wars magazine so they could also include some classic trilogy era content and then moved along now. Now that's gone to the other publisher, it's gone to Rebels and just kind of trying to keep up with the times. Remember, these aren't really comic magazines so much as it's magazines that happen to have comics in them. What I'd love to see, and I think probably what Mark would love to see, would be, screw the other content. We don't care about word searches. At some point, give us a trade paperback of some kind, published by whoever, that would have all of the comics ever published in those runs in mm -hmm. the U.S. Especially given the fact that one of the things that we ran into is that there are some stories from back in the Clone Wars era of Clone Wars magazine that I don't believe were ever republished in the United States. So I mean, I'm having to get them from scans that people from across the pond, so to speak, are sending me most of the time, or people who import them. Uh, Laura Kobo has been great at sending information to me. Um, it's just kind of one of those things where most Star Wars is published in the U.S. When it's published outside the U.S., 
it becomes really difficult sometimes to get your hands on that material. It makes me really feel for the people outside the U.S. who are trying to follow everything because surely there's a ton of stuff published here that isn't republished elsewhere, or at least not without mm-hmm. a huge delay. That's an angle that really kind of irks me because I, I wish both angles, you know, I, I wish for the people down in Australia and over in the UK that they're able to get all these things. I think for me, when it came to legends, the one book that really stood out, that was the, I gotta get it was the paperback version of Karen Travis's the clone wars. Cause it was only sold in paperback in the UK. It was only hardcover in the U S. So I literally, I hunted it down on eBay just to get it. Cause I had to have it for my paperback collection. But that's one of those things where it's like, I, I'm not a fan of exclusives for the most part, because I feel like it, it creates, like these, I don't know, the this, this super fans, only the rich can afford this or only the lucky can get this kind of thing. And it's like, you know, if you're going to offer it, offer it to everybody. You know, like right now, uh, uh, Japan's got those really cool toy lines and they're not allowing them to sell them anywhere else. And I'm like, come on, those are like clearly the the Lamborghini of the Kylo Ren's out there and of the uh, the First Order Troopers. I mean, these guys look sick. Uh, as for the, uh, the ongoing content of Legends and stuff, I, I wasn't paying much attention to the names of the stories, um, and, and, and I, I probably should apologize for that to all you guys out there. As, as Defender of the EU, you would think I would be doing a better job of remembering the names of the stories as examples of, hey, Legends is continuing, guys. Uh, you know, that's an angle that that I'm always fond of. You know, a lot of people, they're saying, bring back Legends, and I'm like, well, that's a misnomer because it didn't really go away. Let's continue Legends because it's still sitting there. It's a full universe, all contained, all being added to online. They're not printing this stuff. It's continuing, just not in print. And so it's a really odd position that it finds itself in. But it's one that I, I, I like the fact that we're getting this online content, even if it is relegated into an era that is impacting nothing right now in terms of legend or even canon uh but it's still content and for those out there thinking that legends is completely dead it's you know that sign that little ray of light that little tiny pinprick of light that's the end of the tunnel way down there on the other side of the rockies and i guess i would say uh tying into that that even though it is continuing in small doses for those who are relatively new to it or who haven't checked out everything especially the comics Marvel is now starting to include the Star Wars comics into not just their digital offerings through Comixology uh, or their regular app, but it's just a Comixology app designed around Marvel. It's still the same company. Um, But also in that Marvel Unlimited subscription service where you pay for a year or a month or whatever it is at a time and you get access to this giant library of comics. It's not quite as good of an app. It's not quite as user-friendly. It's got more bugs than the Comixology one does. But if you pay for that, you get access to a huge library of Marvel comics, including an ever-increasing library of Star Wars materials, for those who are trying to catch up on old stuff, not necessarily new. Uh, And I guess the last thing I would add there is in relation to, did they just keep my money? You know, I've had this happen before with other companies. Usually if you contact the customer service department, they'll do something about it. Although, what I've found is that a lot of times it's a, oh, this series ended, we're just going to give you something else. Like... I subscribed to Princess Leia through the Marvel subscription service. When it ended, I wanted to know where that money was going. They just started sending me Lando. Years ago, I was a a subscriber to Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future, the official magazine. It ran for one issue. After that, I got He-Man magazines that had a small (laughs) insert about Captain 
uh, Captain Power. And then eventually, even that died, and I can't remember what I got, but it had nothing of it. I think it was like Muppets Magazine or something stupid like that. <laughs> Granted, I was a kid. I had no idea about how the business side works, but I really should have called them up and said, Hey, a-holes, if I cared about Muppets, I would have subscribed to Muppets. <laughs> oh, they really forced that sock on you. I guess. I don't care if it's not easy being green. I don't like you. He doesn't like you either. You best watch yourself. All right. Um, moving on. We have another short one here coming in from Hans. I'm going to try to say your last name right here, Hans. I know we've had you uh, write in before. Uh, Skolberstad? Skolberstad? From Hans. And Hans is talking about celebration here. He says, I never got to thank you guys for the DVDs. I got them a while ago and we're in great condition. Uh, Mark, it was great. That's the contest one. Uh, Mark, it was great meeting you, albeit for 10 minutes. Nate, I was hoping to meet you as well. Maybe next time. I wanted to share with you guys a spreadsheet I made for the pins from Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. We can actually put this file up later. I'm not sure if you guys were into this. Probably not. The art is definitely not my favorite, but I got a few. I cannot find anything to easily reference as a checklist, so I made one and thought you guys could share this with the fans if anyone needed one. That is a checklist of all the different pins from Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. Awesome. I've been catching up on the podcasts again. I love the bloopers at the end. Nate, do not let anyone change your awesome humor, including the Catholics and their public scandal. If they didn't <laughs> want to be the butt of the jokes, they should have made different decisions. Keep up the great shows, Hans. Oh, thank you, Hans. I, You know, when I add the blooper reels, there's some times where I'm like, how far, you know, how much do I bleep out? Because... You know, from the the standpoint of the guy editing this stuff, Nathan, when he drops certain bombs like the F bomb and the S bomb and stuff, there's certain ways he he, if, I don't know, there's certain ways he pronounces the words and fluctuates, whatever. They just crack me up, and it's so hard to cut it. Like like last week's, uh, which would be uh, at the time of the recording, this it was uh, episode 184. The end there, he he drops the F bomb, but he like drags it out so long and I left again. It's like, and then beep. <laughs> there are some times where I really, I cut out some gold because I just, I can't let the word slide through or, or even that same one, 184, like the context. Like I didn't bleep any bad words because the bad words weren't really bad words. It was the context of how they were used that made it bad. So I had my wife listen to it and she's like, oh, you probably should have, you probably should have just deleted that one. I'm like, but it was so funny. I left it in. So if you're wondering what I'm listening, talking about, go listen. You can, tell us how bad it was on another feedback but 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 yeah I, i'm constantly wondering like when i'm going to let something slide that i probably should have just left completely out of the episode uh so far riley hasn't been like hey you should drop that i mean riley of, of the three of us founders riley and bethany are, are more the morally centered morally straight of the three of us and i'm more the anarchist of the group to uh on the dark side to their light side if you will so when it comes to the blooper reel that's something that that I have a lot of fun with, but I'm also like waiting for the day I kind of botch it and let something get through that's going to offend somebody. But I, I like the fact that there are people out there that, that recognize humor for humor's sake. Uh, now, speaking of, of Celebration Anaheim, yeah, it was a bummer. It was only 10 minutes. I know we played a, a little phone tag there trying to get to meet up with each other. That was just a huge learning curve for me. Uh, overall, like I, I mean, me and my wife, we decided next time anything like this happens, I'll be going alone. I won't be taking the family. Uh, I was trying to kind of, you know, make it a fun trip for the family as well as doing my thing. And 
you know, there was just so, so much going on that really trying to keep my family involved in everything I was doing just wasn't possible. And once I realized that, like, it was kind of like my first trip to Disney. You know, we didn't use the fast pass to the last day. And I think that was kind of like the same thing. Like I was by dragging them along, I was not using my fast pass of my fandom. You know, I mean, when it was just me and my son and we were going to watch the bad batch episodes and stuff, and it was just the two of us, we were able to bump into, uh, you know, one of the guys that made the trailers for rebels and we bumped into Henry Gilroy and Pablo Hildago. I mean, it was a lot of fun, but it was just the two of us. And my son was kind of like down for whatever. Cause he had no idea what was going on. Whereas my wife wanted to go and see the Mara cosplayers and the Leia cosplayers. And, and she wanted to get a taste of stuff too, because while I'm the huge Star Wars fan, she is too a Star Wars fan. I mean, she enabled this freak that you see or hear before you. I mean, most of my collection is because she let me buy it, you know I mean? And, and I literally, with most of the stuff, I would ask her first because that was just the way our team was working. You know, I let her handle the finances and I would bring in the money, you know, and then we would get together and it was like, well, what do you want to get? And it got really bad there for a while. She would literally like, oh, hey, honey, the Star Wars set, it, it, it's, it's crayons. It says Star Wars on it. And eventually I had to be like, okay, we don't need everything Star Wars, honey. Like, let's just get the cool stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely a learning curve. And I'm hoping next time I get to go, uh, I'm going to get to meet up with more people. Uh, hopefully Nate will get to go and maybe we can do some recording of some, some events while in the lines. There was a lot of opportunities that just... I wasn't prepared for, man, and it, it sucked. But it was really cool getting to see you, uh, getting to hang out with you, and, and thanks again for the pins that you hooked me up with. Uh, that was that was awesome. There were so many pins, uh, and, and that was an angle of celebration, the, the swag angle. I was not prepared for. Like there were times things were given away and things like that. Like you really had to have your Sith together, Riley Blanton had a plan. I only saw Riley two or three times and it was like, I got to go over here. I got to go over there. The man had a plan. And I, I guarantee everybody, if you have a plan for when you go to one of these celebrations, you're going to get more activities and more swag and more everything because some of the swag I got, I just blundered into uh, the, the dark disciple. I literally saw the line forming. and was like, I better get in that line. What's this line for? Oh, sweet. Christy golden signing posters. All right. You know, I had no clue. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Uh, you know, it's definitely worth the research, uh, and, and there's a lot of things I would do differently, but it was a blast. I suggest everybody make that pilgrimage. Yeah, I'm hoping to make that pilgrimage someday. Uh, my wife and I have been talking about whether or not it's possible if the next time that they do that in Florida, uh, that might be like a combination uh, honeymoon slash going to celebration thing where we stay down there for longer than just the actual thing. Kind of like what you did with combining the family vacation with celebration, but it really needs to be somewhere on this coast to be able to pull it off. Now that I'm mm -hmm. teaching from home, though, for the most part, it should be a little bit easier to do. It, it always seemed to come up when I was teaching in the traditional classroom. It tended to come up around heavy testing time or uh, finals or something like that, just not a time that worked to be able to make the trip. So hopefully in the near future, you know, one of the, the upcoming ones, I'll be able to do that, but certainly not one of the ones on the West Coast or Europe, at least not at this point. Um, as far as the humor, I mean, I like to keep things light, but I mean, I'm a guy who grew up with, and this probably tells something about my mentality. Um, in a lot of ways, I grew up with the humor of George Carlin, of Dennis Miller, back when he was a little more edgy and less fluffy like he is now. 80s, early 90s. Yeah, like, 80s, like, like back, when, back when, and that's the news, and I am <laughs> out of here, or, um, uh, uh, or, or Norm Macdonald era, never quite going quite as crass, but the Norm Macdonald era of the OJ trial kind of stuff. I mean, it really was those two guys 
on Weekend Update on Saturday Night Live that a lot of times sort of informed my uh, my humor style, the sarcasm and whatnot. And you tie that into listening to things like Carlin and some of, of Miller's stand-up, and that kind of became the thing. In fact, when I there was a point at which I won an award for writing. The, the highest award you could get as a high school student, a student journalist in the state of Indiana is called a Harvey Award. I won a Harvey Award for editorial writing when I was part of the, the student newspaper, which is kind of funny because I became editor-in-chief. In my first issue, wrote an editorial that basically called out the superintendent on something. Um, thank God I only called it pickpocketing, not rape, because I was making an analogy, the original analogy said rape, <laughs> but I changed it to pickpocketing. Um, and then I got demoted from that. I wound up writing that essay, or that, that uh, editorial that was going to win the award, got booted from the program essentially altogether, or sort of forced out, and it was the next semester when I was no longer with the journalism department that I got the award and attended the award ceremony myself and had a chance to basically be like, yeah, to all the people actually from the department who were sitting at a different table. Um, it was an interesting experience. Suffice to say, as they say, feces rolls downhill. If you upset the superintendent in a highly politicized uh, school culture, they will crap on the principal, who will crap on the department chair, who will crap on the advisor of the newspaper, who will crap on you as the editor-in-chief, and you will go sliding uh, along with it down the sewer. <laughs> but, but yeah, so, uh, but that was the style. It was written in a Dennis Miller style, almost rant version of editorial about school security and when does it go too far, which I thought was, you know, appropriate. So I, it, it's informed a lot of, of aspects of the things that I do, but I think he's right here in the sense that if you don't want your bad behavior joked about, don't do the bad behavior. Although I will say I try to tend to shy away except in some instances of making those types of jokes, because I also don't want it to be painting a whole group with one brush. So, you know, it, every once in a while, yeah, it's not something that should be kind of the ongoing running gag sort of thing. Although, and I guess now the running gag with Rebels Roundtable is that Jonathan always expects me to make the joke, even if I'm not <laughs> making the joke. Um, and, and now, I mean, we're in such a PC culture, I guess it's just not expected to make those types of jokes. I mean, I... Uh, I drop the, the swearing sometimes. I try to minimize it here for the show so that Mark doesn't have to bleep very much. And because I know that Mark, uh, Riley, and Bethany prefer it to be a clean feed as far as being the way it's labeled in places like iTunes and whatnot. But at the same time, I don't know, I think sometimes it's we, we run the risk of becoming too PC. You PC, bro? Come on. Uh, as PC principal would say on South Park, that you're <laughs> you, you run the risk of just just containing what you're saying too much, and all the the passion, all the energy starts to die because you're so worried about checking what you're saying. And well, is it possible this may offend one or two people that you don't you know sort of live in the moment of the discussion and have the kind of dynamic discussion that you need? On the other hand, though, you know. I try to shy away from the religious things in general, except for the pedophilia thing, because that's not a religious thing. That's shuffling around pedophiles to protect them from the law. Um, simply because we're in a culture now where there there's at least one religion on the planet that if you say something bad about them, you might be targeted for death, depending on how loud your megaphone is. Um, and... I don't feel as though if we're in an environment where there's one religion that shouldn't be spoken of negatively for fear of death, if you're going to be treating one religion with kid gloves, you kind of need to show the same respect for other religious groups 
or show the same lack of respect for any. You know what I mean? That there's a, there's a fair play angle that comes into it. So I try to keep that side out. Just like, you know, we'll talk about, you know, the, the, the LGBT characters in Star Wars and whatnot. And, and that's another, I just try not to make the jokes because I'm not sure that, you know, that there's puns that can be made, but there's a difference between a pun and actually a joke that's mocking a group of people. It just, it, I don't know, there, there's a line when it comes to the humor, I suppose. But yeah. Well- and you bring up a good point too about about the broad strokes, you know. I mean, I I play devil's advocate a lot in that regard when people point out, you know, all oh, you people are doing this that way, you know, kind of thing. And you know, as an EU fan especially, I think I find myself in that boat because you know, I'm a fan of Legends. I want Legends to continue, but I'm not one of those bring back Legends groups that, you know, we're going to have an episode that kind of focuses on some of that and everything that's going on with Aftermath because of how that worked out. But I got into an interaction on Twitter over that where I was actually blamed <laughs> about my community and reining them in. And I'm like, wait a minute, like, like not everybody that wants Legends to continue is doing it wrong, you know? And I was like, use me as an example. I'm not out there you know, harassing everybody. The worst I get is I'll put a hashtag on a post that I'm politely talking about continuing, you know, like I'm not going like, Oh, we got to replace it. That kind of stuff. But so many people out there are just broadly labeling everybody, this and that. And, and so often I'll put a post up on our page that's pondering something. And a lot of times I got to defend how I'm not complaining about it or, or, or when I am being critical about it, like they're seeing it as a complete negative. And, you know, like I was talking about the, the tense of, Chuck Winding's book and stuff. And it was like, well, you know, I'm having an issue with it, but I recognize the fact that it's my issue, you know, and yet everybody's like, oh, well, the book's good or the book's bad. And I'm surprised that, you know, certain topics are just really charged and, and people just assume based off of a couple things you say one way or the other, you know, mm-hmm. oh, that's how you are. And it's like, well, no, I mean, I'm, I think with our show, you know, we really try to come from an angle of, you know, we love everything Star Wars. And whether it's good or bad, we're going to point it out. I mean, I, when I think of the movies and stuff, there are scenes in every single movie that I love and hate. Uh, you know, there are scenes in every book that I've read so far that I love and hate. I mean, it has never been a clean sweep for me. I mean, even my favorite stories have angles that I absolutely couldn't stand. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people that go off about the last five years, the EU being bad and this, that and the other thing. And it's like, well, nothing's really changed. So if you think the last five years it got bad, what really gives you so much hope? I mean, it, it, I don't know. It's It's funny because everybody's got their own opinion on how things should be. And if you don't line up to that, well, it's so quick and easy just to cast you into another group and throw you off to the side. And it's one of those things like I like to point out, you know, just because you side with something doesn't mean you 100 percent take that mission statement as your own. I mean, you know, you can want legends to exist next to canon. That doesn't make you a bad guy. Apologies if you guys heard any clicking in the background. I hit Control Z to undo something, and it turns out that that's also the hotkey for my muting. Um, <laughs> but you know, you know, the only reason that you have problems with aftermath is that you're a homophobe. Admit it. <laughs> Admit it. You and your straight privilege, or whatever we're supposed to call it. Um, I think that the you're right. The way that we approach things here on the show, I mean, we try to approach it in a fair way. That's the love of the saga, but at the same time, love of a saga doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be blind to any flaws. Sometimes that love means looking into things more deeply. Um, that's why when we do our show on Aftermath, I figure we're going to have to do like a pre-show almost that deals with Chuck Wendig and his personality 
his persona that he has created for himself on social media, the way he interacted with fans. I'm not sure how we're going to get through that without a lot of censoring of my opinion of that. Um, a little bit about the writing style of the book. A bit about what people expected of the book versus what it is. Because all of those things are relevant to the discussion, but none of them, if we're really getting down to it, none of those really are about the story and whether it's a good Star Wars story or a relevant mm-hmm. Star Wars story. There's a lot of reviews out there that are taking those three things and bashing the heck out of it without really dealing with the story of the book itself. Whereas there's also the other side that's praising Chuck Wendig as the second coming who can do no wrong instead of actually looking at with any critical eye at what's happening in the book. So I'm going to try to make it's going to wind up being a long discussion, but we're going to try to make us one of the few shows really doing an intellectually honest look at it. Uh, I think our philosophies put well, uh, I'm doing, you guys know that I'm doing essays in each of the different Sequart Star Wars essay collections that they're coming out with, and I'm writing the afterword for the last book. So I get to actually write the afterword in a book that starts with a forward by Timothy Zahn, which is kind of interesting. Um, and one, it's actually about that idea of love of something a lot of times means being critical of it and finding flaws and finding different aspects to discuss in it. And one of the things I say in the article, assuming it doesn't get edited to sound slightly different, is uh, an incensed fan may look at these volumes or this podcast, see the criticism therein, and quote Darth Vader, I find your lack of faith disturbing. A fan who can understand why intellectual honesty is so important to productive discussion would likely have a different response. I find your lack of blind faith refreshing. Mmm, I like that. This one comes in from Nate. Not me, different Nate. He says, hi Nathan. Obviously a different Nathan. First, I'd like to say that I'm a big fan of you and Mark on Star Wars Beyond the Films, and I watch all of your videos on YouTube. Woohoo! YouTube, youtube.com slash user slash chrono radio, baby! <laughs> yeah, I started doing some uh, Disney Infinity guides for Star Wars fans, which is some of the newest stuff that I've put up there. I wanted to ask you, he's saying, not me, I wanted to ask you about the new novels coming out that are the new canon. I'm a big Star Wars fan like you and Mark, and I wanted to know if you'll both be collecting the Star Wars Rebels Junior novels, and will they be considered canon? I look forward to hearing back from you, Nate. I guess first off, are we going to be collecting them? Mark, are you? You know, I'm on the fence with that because... You know, the, the Clone Wars ones, they did those, and I use those as a catch-22 because a lot of people are like, oh, the Clone Wars is in Legends. I'm like, well, they make books of every single one. Uh, but, I, I mean, if they're exactly like that, where it's just the writing of it all over again, I probably won't. But, I don't know. I, I think it's going to eventually become something like Galaxy of Fear. It'll probably be something I come back to and collect later when they're probably harder to find just to complete my collection right now. It doesn't seem like there's been that many books out, but I just shared a uh, post that kind of has a timeline, a loose, rough one of all the books that are out right now in canon, and it's growing fast. Uh, you know, when you take into consideration the young, uh, the young adult novels as well as the little kid books and stuff like that that are all lining in and stuff. I am collecting some of them. I do have the uh, the Sparker Rebellion book and uh, the Ezra's Gamble one and those things, uh, but. There's no rush to get those ones yet because I'm I'm still trying to get books like Lost Stars, uh, The Weapon of the Jedi, those those new young adult books. Like I, I haven't got those and I, I'm not getting the review copies of those at the moment. So I'm like, I want to get those. I need to get those. I need to learn about what's going on in those. And so it's it's that 
aspect of, you know, how much time do I have to invest in the reading? Because right now, even for the show, like I'm still reading Aftermath. And right now I'm reading Aftermath. I'm reading the physical book while listening to it, an audio book, trying to get through it because I finally got uh, Battlefront, uh, the Twilight Company advanced review copy. And I really want to get into that. It looks very interesting. Um, but but yeah, it's a time thing. It's just finding the time to get through one book, get into the next book, have the money to get the book that follows that one uh, in the amount of time that I have. I just I, I for me, having three kids has been a lot more difficult on my fandom than two kids. Uh, when I had the two kids, reading a book wasn't a problem. I could still read. You know, it wasn't until the year Jaina was born. That year, I fell behind on everything. I mean, she just demands a lot more attention. And when I'm not doing things at times I would be just sitting and reading and stuff. It's cuddle time. So it makes it really hard in that regard too. Uh, but I definitely want to, but again, those, those are the hurdles I have to jump. And I think it'll be something like galaxy of the fear. I'll end up coming back around to them. It's funny. You talk about the, the time to read and such for me, it's kind of that dual time to read, but also time to put it all on the star Wars timeline gold stuff. And I'm finding that um, sometimes I'm falling behind and I'm not getting quite as much on there as I would like. And I was just thinking about it last night. I mean, we're coming up on the moment where I will have been doing it for half my life. On, the, on its 18th anniversary on my 36th birthday, that's the exact half of my life mark for working on it. And my thought was, wow, project 18 more years into the future. Will I still be working on this when I'm 54 years old? And it struck me that I probably won't be. Which makes me think, wow, so at some point we're kind of in the back life cycle. When is it going to end? And you, you talk about the time aspect. It makes me think that, you know, well, when Jody and I finally have a child, that's probably going to derail a lot of it in some ways. I mean, mm -hmm. right now my work, I've got three different positions within the county. And the second one has just exploded in terms of the amount of work that it has involved with it now. And it's sucking up a lot of time to the point where I'm actually have to talk to that, that, that supervisor and be like, hey, can we find a way to streamline some of this stuff? Um, but yeah, it's, it's obviously this is a great fun thing that we do, but it's always going to be a hobby. So it has to take a backseat to everything else. And at some point, I got a feeling it's just going to kind of drive us, you know, dr drive us to minimize uh, or, or shrink down our participation. Hopefully not anytime, though, in the near future. Hopefully, uh, when Jody and I do have a child, at least for a while, I'll be able to keep up with this, too. We shall see. Um, but as far as the Rebels books, from what I understand, I mean, in theory, they're canon, but a lot of them are just repeating the stories from the episodes. So in that sense, it's probably going to be more like the novelizations. Hey, if it's in the episode, that's the canonical version. This is just some kind of adaptation. And if there's anything new they added, eh, maybe it fits, maybe it doesn't. Kind of like the extra scenes that we see in The Rebellion Begins, which is the adaptation of Spark of Rebellion that adds some new scenes in there, uh, including how they found out about the Wookiees in the first place. I mean, they're going and saving the Wookiees at the end of the episode, but it seems like they already know about the Wookiees when they talk to Visago. Well, it's because they already encountered them or tried to meet with them right before the episode essentially starts. Mm. Um, so something like that, that's adding new scenes, I'll pick up. Something like Ezra's Gamble that is an entirely new story, I'll pick up. Or those uh, journals, like Ezra's Rebel Journal, Sabine's uh, uh, Art Journal, whatever. Um, those I'll pick up. but Or Sketchbook, I guess it was. From the standpoint, though, of picking up stories that don't necessarily add anything new, that are just straight adaptations, I'm not. Uh, just from a, a space and money standpoint, I don't really see the point in collecting those. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of where I am too. It's like if it's not bringing even <laughs> one sentence new, I really don't see a need cuz I plan on getting the DVDs. So those will be, you know, good enough. The aspect of is it canon? I mean, I that, it's a weird thing because like the statement they gave us back in 2014 in April would say yes. Uh, you know, it's it's all canon. Uh, but I think, you know, for, for people like Nathan and myself, like we're just waiting for the things that don't line up and when they have to say, okay, well, it's all canon, but you know, <laughs> like, like they gave us with the novelizations. Yeah. It's canon so much as it lines up with the films, which, okay. I went out on, on force Friday and the only book they had out was the trilogy of the original trilogy. So I go and I grab it and I flip it open and sure enough, you get to empire strikes back and what color is Yoda blue. I'm sorry, I am not putting any book with a blue Yoda on my canon shelf. No, not going to happen. You know, until they give me a novelization that's 100% accurate to what is canon, I'm not going to put it on there. I don't care if they tell me it's canon or not. That that just doesn't line up. There is not a blue Yoda. I'm sorry. Uh, but so, so I, I'm in that boat with you, Nathan. It's like if it's not adding to it and stuff, I'm probably not going to put it on there. And, you know, an interesting side point about that, you're talking about uh, how they're going to find ways to make everything fit together I had a chance to speak to one of the authors of one of the Force Friday books. Not Wendig's, so it isn't the author of Aftermath. But I asked a question about, well, where does this book take place in relation to one of these other books, uh, specifically Heir to the Jedi? And I was kind of shocked, because the response that was given was, I'm not really sure, because they really didn't give any guidance on that. The story group didn't. So it kind of seems like in that era that's already becoming very full of various Marvel series and these books from Force Friday and more and more and more, it's like they're saying, here's the story to write. They write it. And I'm kind of wondering, I didn't get a chance to really talk in depth about it, but I'm wondering if what's happening is more of sort of a, here's the things you can't do. Here's the things you must do. And then otherwise it's left kind of free form. Like uh, particularly, I think of maybe Luke's development, uh, like, Okay, here's heir to the Jedi. This is where he's using to control tele or learning to control telekinesis. Or here's the Marvel comics where he's hearing Ben's voice. So in this book, make sure you say he hasn't heard it. Or this is the first time he's heard Ben's voice. Or and so on and so on and so on. Um, I'm assuming that maybe the story group is doing more of a hands-on approach on their end to make it all fit. But to have it turn out that not only initially were we having authors saying, who are writing some of these first books for the new canon, saying, well, we didn't even realize we were writing for a new canon. We were just writing the book we were contracted for. And then they announced that it was going to be part of this new story group canon type of thing. That Mm -hmm. now we've also got writers brought in to write things without being told this book takes place after this other one. So make sure of X, Y, and Z. uh, Or before this book, so you can do X, Y, and Z, but not A. That concerns me when we're dealing with a time period that is already becoming so full of stories. Well, and it's an angle, like I'm ready for a star Wars insider article specifically on the story group, you know, something that not only tells us who each one of them are, but gives us a background of where they were, what position they were doing within Lucasfilm before they became part of the story group. And what is the direction of the story group? We don't know if the story group is coming up to JJ and going, this is the story we want you to tell. Or if JJ goes, okay, I wrote this story. This is what I'm going to tell. And then they have to find ways to make that fit. Um, You know, I mean, there's so many angles of this that, that are worrisome to me because, you know, I say loosely that the story group is George Lucas, you know, EU became legends and the story group 
Lucas became the story group. So you've now got the story group picking from legends the way that Lucas was picking from the expanded universe. When Lucas picked something from the expanded universe, it became reimagined and became canon. That's the same thing that's happening here, except for we don't know what exactly that guidance is. And, and this adds to that. I mean, if they're not telling him where the book's set, you know, I mean, what are they telling him? What aren't they telling him? These are questions that I think it would do fandom a service to tell us. So the ones of us that are panicking over this can have some rest at ease moments. And the ones of us that are like, Oh God, it's all falling apart. Like at least we have some focus to that. It's like right now, everybody's like, Oh God, it's all falling apart. And everyone's like, shut up. It's good stuff. But if we knew like, well, we have an issue here because no one's paying attention to the dates. You know, you put some focus on that one issue. We can address that issue. You know, I, I am afraid that we're going to get to a point where we're going to have books where dates are all messed up and it's the pat answer is, oh, it's just a mistake. But I'm telling you this, my friends, after 25 years of, oh, it was just a mistake. You're going to be looking at the EU all over again. That's exactly what happened the first time around. And all you fans that hate the EU, this is what made it that way. So we need to have a strong guidance and we need to know what the story group is there for. Because if they're there to be leading, they need to buy, well, frickin' lead. They cannot be doing reactionary stuff. They have to be the ones that are telling them they need to be setting it in stone. Not going, oh, we have a problem, how do we fix it? Because that's that's one of the major issues that, that fans of the EU always had was having those forced retcons. You know, if you're going to tell a story, make that story stick. Make that story count. And that's what they told us at the end of April in 2014 was that these stories were going to count. And so there is a contingent of fans waiting for that moment when one aspect of that story no longer counts. Because once that happens, a window is open, a precedence is set, and it becomes, well, we can piss on any story because it doesn't really matter. You know, it's funny because I just went through and I was playing Star Wars Uprising, the mobile game, that they made a big deal about because it's going to become this new canonical part of the saga to give us more of that journey to The Force Awakens, blah, blah, blah. What's going on in the Anoat sector with Bespin and so forth? And as I was going through and playing, I hit the end of the story missions that are currently existing. You don't get to even go to Bespin and continue the story until the community plays so many of a certain type of mission that it unlocks Bespin for everyone. So right now, you just kind of hit a wall. <laughs> you hit level 40, you hit the end of that mission, you are at a wall. But I was shocked. Because, so there's a point in the story where we see a recording from Leia. And it's the same recording that we see, or similar to the recording that we see in Aftermath. And there is a point at which, when they're listening to that message, Leia, in the message, talks about how earlier that day, Palpatine died. So it's the day of the Battle of Endor. And then they ask, how old is this transmission? Oh, it's two months old. And I sat back, like, oh my god! We actually have a firm date for something. Because everything else right now seems to be, well, it's between this story and this story. Well, okay, but if, you, like, it's between A New Hope and Empire. Okay, but if you've got a bunch of stories in that same time period, we need to know their relative order, but it would also help to know how far back. Like, Aftermath is months after the Battle of Endor. How many months? No idea. Right? There's, there's a vagueness to this. And I was told... When asking, uh, I think it's Pablo Hidalgo I was asking, about the vagueness of the time frame of Lando, the comic series. Um, well, when does this take place specifically within this time span? And the response is basically that, you know, it's in order to not constrain, 
the authors in what they're writing or future stories, they're being vague with the time frames now, and then they can sort of pin it down more later. And while that does allow some writing freedom, it does seem as though that is just setting up possibilities for things to clash. Mm-hmm. If they decide later, oh, wait, this story that we thought was probably going to be the closest to Empire out of all these other stories, we actually want to scoot it because we want to move this other story because it leads into Empire better. But oops, in this one, Luke's talking to Ben in the Force, but here he says he's never heard from him since A New Hope. We just screwed something up. That's where you get into that situation that you're talking about. So it's, I mean, it's always going to be a fine line, I think, between freedom to the writers and trying to control the continuity. But I always expected that with the story group, what we'd be getting is more control to avoid the type of clashes we had with Legends, where it seems like they're doing the opposite right now, which is lots of freedom, and then they'll clamp down on it later. But in a sense, that's what the Legends continuity started with, as you said, only with, I will say with Legends, it was a little bit more difficult in certain eras, though, because whereas Legends started in 91 and then grew, it also eventually wound up working in stuff from the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Back when there was no attempt to make the different media, the comics, the comic strips, the novels, they weren't meant to work together. And then they wound up bringing them all in and trying to shoehorn them in to work with the rest of the Legends continuity, and that's where some contradictions came from. So in this case, we're not dealing with that. But it does seem as if it's a lot looser than a lot of fans expected, and that, I, I I don't know. It's worrisome in the sense that I see a day coming where something is going to clash, and the it's all canon line is going to fall apart, and we're right back to needing a hierarchy again. Yeah, I mean, there's some out there, you know, they're like, well, it doesn't matter as long as there's a good story being told. And while I will agree, a good story goes a long way, I, I think that... You know, the aspect that they're playing with here, well, we don't want to confine and constrict these writers. I I don't know. There's a part of me that's like, I find it more constricting to not know the date of these books. Like, if I want to tie my stuff to it, I want to know when that book is set so I know I'm actually in it. When I was writing my fan fiction, I had it set during the New Jedi Order because that was the era I was most excited about. I had one of my characters actually become an unnamed pilot in Vector Prime when the Millennium Falcon and and the Belt Runner shuttles with Jason and Jaina on them are in trouble. The the X-Wing pilot they come and rescue became my character. Why? Because I knew that it lined up. I knew that I could use that. But now if if Vector Prime was something where they were like, they had no idea when that battle took place, it would be harder for me to pinpoint my character being that unnamed character because it could have been around that same month or it could have been a year off. I mean, I, I think by not putting down the date, something so simple, so easy going into a story, like, like if you were going to be writing a book about the medieval times, you wouldn't put it today (laughs) that's a gross error i mean and yet i by not dialing that down you you i don't know it's such a window of opportunity for so many problems down the line and it seems like such a simple solution if you're doing a historical piece for any teacher in school the dates of what you're doing are relevant and yet we're saying well it's not relevant to this story and that's where I get a little, I, I kind of shake my head. Like, I, I agree that it should not take precedence over telling a good story, but I also don't think it needs to be sacrificed to tell the good story. You know, that, that angle, it gets to where Dark Horse was with that accessibility side, where you're so worried about the accessibility and, and trapping an author in a box that it's like, well, 
what's wrong with making the author do a little homework? Some of the best stories are the ones where the author took some time to make it feel more real, to make it feel more in-universe, to make it feel more immersive. And those are the little details that help that. I guess two things on that before we move on. Um, one, uh, I don't know on the whole line of, well, it doesn't matter as long as it's a good story. Because, I mean, that was an issue before even with the Legends continuity. It doesn't matter if it fits as long as it's a good story. Okay, but they've said this is the official continuation. It's just not necessarily Lucas's official continuation. So yes, it does matter if it fits because they're telling us it's supposed to. That is now taken up a notch because they're not even saying this is an official continuation, but not in the eyes of the creator. They're saying this is canon. This is on par with the films. It should matter more now that it fits if they're going to say that it's supposed to fit rather than otherwise. Uh, I think that's why they're saying that the video games are checked for authenticity. Don't expect them to be canon because that is a very easy gray area to go into where clashes could happen. Um, The second thing I think that would pop up is... In relation to this, well, we're going to give freedom to the writers. That's all well and good if you want the writers to be creative. And I think that you definitely want writers to kind of be on their A-game when they're writing. Because plenty of times we've seen Star Wars novels that weren't the author's A-game in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, But, or at least if it was their A-game, oh God. Um, But see, here's the thing. When you hire somebody to write for a licensed property, it's your sandbox. If they want to write in your sandbox, if they want a chance to write for Star Wars, you can give them stipulations on what they can and can't do. And if they don't like it, tough, write for somebody else, right? It's your sandbox. Um, You can put those restrictions on it. Otherwise, why are you saying you're controlling that universe? You know what I mean? It's that that whole, I mean, if I'm going to write something for... If I was writing a comic series or, or got brought in to write for Marvel and I was going to write for Spider-Man, I'm not going to have the freedom to just willy-nilly kill Mary Jane for no reason or to kill Aunt May for no reason or to uh, cut Peter's arm off or something for no reason. They will have to do something later to fix that unless they turn to me and say, no, you can't do this, this, and this. Or they look at my edits that come in and say, whoa, homeboy, you can't do that. Go back and rework the story in some way. Um, you can't just let it be complete freedom. And in the case of trying to make things fit, if it's supposed to be a canon, you're going to have to, at some point, start putting some stipulations on these things, um, beyond very basic stuff, which again, makes me wonder if that's what they're doing. If instead of saying, Hey, this is the time period this story must be in. It's more like, Hey, you can't use this character right now because he's somewhere else. You can use these characters, that's fine, but this character doesn't know about such and such yet. That kind of thing, you know? I'm wondering if what they're getting is a checklist or a do's and don'ts kind of thing as opposed to, hey, here's the time period to be in, so make sure you go do your homework on this other book before you write. Since so many writers don't have the chance to go back and do the homework and read the other works. Uh, As you said, it's more a matter now, it's not so much of the frustration of what's happening, so much as just having some clarity on what's happening, right? Because a lot of it's a lot of what we get is based on little things we hear left and right, but there's not a specific line that we're getting. Very much like I guess the way that the levels of you know C canon, G canon, N canon, all that kind of stuff worked in the past, where until they flat out came out and said this is the holocron levels, you could see that type of hierarchy in action for years. I had it on the Star Wars timeline gold for years, mm-hmm. and then they gave it a name. I'm like, yep, told y'all. 
because you could see it in action, but it was confusing because it wasn't something that was publicly stated. Well, and the clarity is is really what we need. I mean, we've been needing that from before they gave us the announcement, uh, you know, that, that the EU is becoming legends. I think that was one of the aspects that I was the most excited for because they clarified what, you know, it felt like Pablo and Leland were both giving different speeches, you know. Pablo was like, well, there's two universes. There's the canon one and then there's the expanding universe. And she was like, well, it's all one universe. One One's just got canon material. One's got official canon material and stuff like that. Well, you know, and then then you, you're waiting for that, and then they tell you. It's like, okay, oh, now it's – okay, I know. it's Now it's, it's its own official universe. Okay, all right. Everyone's on board. They're on the same page. That kind of clarity was good, but then you had that story group aspect of, well, how does it work? How are the games working? Like Uprising, you know, is is Riley a, a, your sister or is Riley your brother? I mean, which is official because we've got multiple versions there. You've got those questions that come up. Wait, 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 wait. So if you play as a female character, does it turn Riley into a boy? Uh, that's into a male? What I- I I'm a, I don't know. That's I've been playing it as a guy, and I was like, Me oh, too. It's, a, it's a girl. So I was wondering that as well, because I, I had heard that if you play as an alien species, then you both become that other alien species. Well, so what are they? Are they, the are they humans? News, or <laughs> I'll give you the good news on that is that there is an official, I mean, the title screen of the game shows Riley as a human female. Okay. So at well, least in that case, we've got something to see, go on. And, and that makes sense. And those kind of clarities are great. Which, which reminds me of... You know how we're getting, and I still have to go through and change some of my summaries, um, how we're getting clarity on the species and gender of the player characters from the Old Republic, right? From the different classes? Mm-hmm. The Legos! The Lego comes <laughs> out, and the Lego has Jedi Counselor. Oh, look, it's this species and this gender. That must be the official version. I mean, that's, that's as close as we're getting. Um, but again, there, that's a different thing, though, because that's an aspect of player choice that's part of the game, and you can sort of just be vague in how you refer to, well, you did this, or the character did this, as opposed to giving them specific names. I'm thinking more in terms of chronology, but I guess we're yeah. we're kind of far well, afield here. Well, another one, an example, and this is a recent one, is we've had a post on StarWars.com telling us about the books that are going to be released on December 18th, which I'm now calling Force Friday 2. Uh, and at the bottom of it, it says, also, coming 1218, and they give another list of additional books. And in that list of books, we have the adult novelization for The Force Awakens and the young adult novelization for The Force Awakens. And I'm like, wait a minute, that goes in the face of everything we were told at Celebration Anaheim. And since then, that the book was going to get its ebook on the 18th, and that the actual book was coming out in January. So I'm like, wait, what is going like? That makes no sense. I mean, everybody always talks about how, well, you got to wait for StarWars.com. And until you see it from StarWars.com, it's not official. And now I'm like, wait, that's got to be a typo, right? Mm-hmm. Just needing some clarity, that's all. Left hand, meet right hand. Pay attention to what each other's doing. All right, so we've kind of gone way far afield of the question of, hey, are you guys going to be reading the Rebels books? So let's go on to another email here. This one comes in from Shane Luke, who says, Mark and Nathan, loving the show. Glad to know about the digital movies and whether to get them or not. That was something we touched on in a previous episode. On to other news. I'm actually moving apartments right now. Yeah, this was back in July, so I did give him some feedback, I think, through email. But this is addressing it for other people. I'm actually moving apartments right now, and I was wondering what would be the best way to organize my Star Wars book collection. Hardcovers and softcovers? Timeline? Comics versus novels? I have some ideas, but I figured I'd ask around. Thanks. Well... First and foremost, it's all about that bookshelf. I mean, I think that's the key to everyone's collection is 
What will your bookshelf accommodate? And then you go from there. I mean, my Legends bookshelf, I went paperback because literally I bought it from an old bookstore and it would only hold paperbacks. So all my Legends books, I got them in paperback. I put them in a timeline order. When I moved the time, when I moved the books, I took them off in that order and I put them in the boxes so I was able to put them right back on. But now I've got a second bookshelf, one that holds all sorts of sizes, and that's my new Canon one that's slowly going to grow. Uh, but that one, I'm going, I'm going hardcovers and the soft covers when they're not hardcovers available, and I'm waiting to get the trades of the comics. So my comics for the first time will go right next to them all in a timeline fashion. Right now, as you've seen on some of the the Beyond the Films Facebook posts, I've got my book collection with Legends and the comic collection of Legends on a table right in front of it. Because I got them all in singles. I can't, I really, I mean, I could put them together, but it would look really, really weird. It's one of those angles, like, because it's so short, to get the comics on there, they would literally all have to be on their sides. And so I just, I left them in the big comic boxes. And that's, you know, that's just, that's just the nature of my beast. So you really got to come down to that angle, stop, question, you know, what can I fit on here? Then come at it from the angle of what do I want to fit on here? I mean, if you're somebody that wants it all in a timeline, that's the direction to go. That's the one I would suggest. I mean, I'm not even big on timelines like Nathan is, but it's nicer to be able to, you know, when did that take place and just look through my timeline. Um, some people will go in the order it was published. Uh, you know, it, it comes down to that same question of, you know, when you're looking at the books and you're like, where do I want to read? It's like, well, what is it that you enjoy the most? You know, I mean... If you're not going to ever collect certain books, and just put them up in the order you like. Yeah, in my case, uh, I've got quite a few book towers and bookshelves that are holding this stuff now. Uh, I've separated my stuff out. Originally, years ago, I had everything on one set of shelves. It was comics, it was the books, it was uh, the movies, you know, all the, the home video releases, all on the same shelves. But that's become too unwieldy because of how huge the libraries become. So now... I basically I keep all the comics in comic boxes, and the comics I have in alphabetical order. I make it easier for myself to find things that way, uh, although there are some that are not quite in that order. Like, for instance, there might be a series where uh, it's, it's alphabetical except just by the main name in relation to other big series, but then the different story arcs are in their chronological order, like Darth Vader, like Darth Vader and the whatever are in chronological order, but they're all lumped together under Darth Vader. Oh. Um, as far as the books, I've got them in approximate chronological order, for the most part chronological, but when you get to an era that's really chock full, I tend to clump them by series so it's easier to find them. So like, for instance, Galaxy of Fear is all kind of lumped together as Galaxy of Fear as opposed to spread out with the different other novels and such in between them. Um, those are just regular bookshelves for me. I take the big stuff, like the boxed stuff, uh, Oh, a book of Sith and things like that, and I actually sit them on top of the shelves usually, or I sit them underneath where I've got a little bit more space to put them. And then I've got a whole extra shelf in the other room of the same size that now has all the home video releases now that that became a collection. The one thing that I would advise, I like chronological order, or at least era order. I, like, I think that's an easy way to get to it because we tend to think that way in terms of Star Wars, especially back in the Bantam days where they were bouncing all over the place so often. That said... Understand that if you do that, you're going to, or in really any order that is a defined order, whether we're talking alphabetical or whatever, you're going to constantly be shifting them. If I'm looking at my shelves and, oh, look, a new book just came out that takes place <laughs> in the era of, 
I don't know, like the Darth Bane novels, I now get to slide that book onto that shelf. But, oh, look, there's no room. I gotta move some down. Oh, that's gonna make the next one move down. And I'm moving shelf after shelf after shelf after shelf to make room. So, any kind of defined order is gonna leave you often having to go through and shift things from shelf to shelf. So just kind of be aware of that if you're looking at something that's not one long shelf, but maybe something like I have where it's book towers, where it's like shelves about you know a foot, foot and a half wide, and then different levels of it where you're constantly having to move stuff in between them. It can get a little unwieldy. Uh, yeah. Although thankfully what I've done now is because of the whole story group canon change, I now have taken all the new stuff, the story group stuff, and that is a whole separate area. Like there's the legend stuff, and when that ends... That's when the new canon stuff starts. That way, I'm only shifting the stuff there at the end, and I'm not mixing the two and getting them confused. Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point, because the comics aspect, you know, I, I have mine all in a chronological order in two long comic boxes. Uh, and in some of them, I've got little tabs that come up to tell me when one series starts or when one era starts. Uh, but the way you're doing it, I, I got to admit, I, that seems like it makes a lot more sense. When I hit the Empire era in my box, a lot of the comics, I, I got to go through them over and over again because I've got to find where one is because I don't know the dates. I'm always like, okay, like the, the Darth Vader's for a perfect example. You know, they're just like there all of a sudden. Uh, and I wouldn't know where to go. I'd be, I'd be, I mean, that's a big era and I don't really have it that broke down. So I would be looking for that for quite a while. But doing it, like you're saying, doing an alphabetical as well as timeline aspect, that seems to be a very smart way to go about it from an organizational standpoint. Um, I got to endorse that, man, even though I'm not doing it. Uh, I think for me, the, the hardest part is the new canon one. And going from that singles to the trades, um, I'm getting them all th through Nate in the digital beforehand. So I'm able to read them before I get them. Cause right now, not one trade comic has come out yet. So I'm still waiting to have a physical comic in my hand so I can put it on the shelf. I've seen those type of bookshelves that had the hard covers with the comics and stuff, and they look really good. Uh, they look nice. It's cool to be able to have the entire timeline there in a glance in that regard uh, and be able to see it from the side. With my comic boxes, I'm only able to look on it from the top. So unless I've got a tab sticking up, I literally have to pull each one out at a time. It's a real big pain in the butt. So, I mean, that, that alphabetical order, if you're using comic boxes, that's actually a really smart idea. If you're going to do it the way I'm doing it, the suggestion that I haven't implemented myself 100% would be to get those tabs to really have those popping up so you know where one series starts and another one ends or having a better idea of when those eras are because Let me know I don't know when it comes to the comic aspects those can grow really fast I mean I, I've been collecting the comics less time than I have the books but that comic collection has grown bigger than the books there's just more comics out there when you think about them in singles you know uh, 360 something plus books but easily two to three times that amount of comics out there in single trades and you want to talk about trying to store something and keep it safe. Um, completely outside of the books and the comics, I'm collecting all the miniatures game releases for X-Wing, Imperial Assault, and Armada from Fantasy Flight Games. And I've covered it on the YouTube channel. If you go back and look at it, I think it's the X-Wing playlist has this in it. But I've got these enormous tackle boxes, Plano 738 tackle boxes that are huge to fit these miniatures into and organize them to be able to be carried around. Um, I am now to the point where I have one for Imperial Assault, one for Armada, two of those for X-Wing, and a smaller tackle box holding just things like map pieces for Imperial Assault. 
They take up more room than my friggin' comic boxes do now. These enormous tackle boxes that can't be stacked sitting in different parts of the floor in our back room. So, oh. um, now yeah, why can't they be stacked? Just, just the shape of them. They can't stack on top of each other. Oh, now is that because they're different styles? They're or? rounded tops. They wouldn't, they wouldn't sit on each other. Wow. Have you, to basically you would make think, shelves over top of them. You would think like somebody in the fishing community would be making their tackle boxes to stack up, you know, well, these are, but these are such huge tackle boxes. I don't think anybody who's actually just going fishing casually, who's buying their fishing goods at Walmart is going to need more than one of these. And I've got four of them sitting there. Plus the other one off to the side. It's really, Come on, sad. Bro, I'm a commercial sports fisherman, dude. I need to have all these lures. <laughs> and another one coming in kind of off subject, but tying into something that I talked about recently in terms of my activities online and just on the off chance that there might be a little bit of, of consternation with this. I don't think there would be, I think our audience is fairly open-minded, but just on the safe side, I'm going to leave off the name of who sent this one in from Beyonder anonymous. We have, Hey, Nathan, Not so much a Star Wars comment, but when I was listening to you speaking about how you stopped taking part in the political conversations a few episodes back, I just started laughing, as that happened to me a few months earlier. Granted, my political views are considered radical, with which I disagree, unorthodox, bigoted, and retarded by the majority of the nation. I would still comment on articles, especially ones that blatantly were giving quote-unquote facts about the Catholic Church that were simply BS, or articles that would suggest ideas and solutions that history disagrees with with regard to how a government should be run. And yes, I strongly believe in separation of church and state. I would get flamed so much, I just stopped altogether. It would take hours to respond. It does make me sad that I can't partake anymore, because I love hearing different views and philosophical methods on issues. But when it breaks down into people simply using the F word like it's always the answer, I gave up. Anyway, sorry for the rant. Just thought it was funny that you seem to have had a similar experience as me. I have too. I, I was recently told that everyone in Oregon is bigots because of a court case about a bakery and lesbians. And I'm like, dude, I didn't follow that. And let's not even talk about it. But this guy was like, nope, nope. You guys are all bigots. Every one of you. I'm like, wow, really? You're going to condemn a whole state over. Okay. Yeah. And he was citing an article that was a completely propaganda piece and i was like i was trying to explain to the guy i'm like you know i've i've read articles that said these were the facts and then i've read articles that said this was the facts i'm like at the end of the day i wasn't in that courtroom i don't know i'm just assuming that they were all told the truth and they came up to a a logical conclusion but apparently that makes me a bigot for living in this state it just you know you're gonna come across people that have strong beliefs. You're going to have people that have strong beliefs because they've done research and you're going to have people that have strong beliefs because that's what their parents said and their grandparents said and their great grandparents said. Um, and I, I think it's that group that you're going to run into a lot of the F words because that group, I don't think that they're actually having their own argument. They're just carrying on a family tradition. And I think that that's sometimes one of the more worrisome things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm constantly learning political things because I don't engage in politics. I don't like that same aspect. Uh, you know, when I was younger, I used to say, you know, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion, and you don't talk about abortion. Those were like the three topics I avoided with my friends. Uh, and, you know, it's just one of those things where you come across so many different angles and so many people that are just not willing to even look at 
other sides. And then you have websites like The Onion and other political satirical sites that are making fun of things. And you have people that take examples of something and make it so much more than what it needs to be. Um, it, it does make it hard at times to have those type of talks with people because they're just so closed minded to so much stuff. I recently had learned, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the pledge of allegiance, you know, with, uh, one, one nation under God, as well as the, in God, we trust on the money and how that, how that got onto each of those was an agenda. You know, the Pledge of Allegiance, it was during the uh, the, the Cold War with the uh, Cuba and all that stuff. We had the whole communist scare. They added that. When it was added to the coin, it was after the Civil War. The North wanted to put a legitimacy to their winning, so they added it to the metal coin. And then in the 50s, we added it to the, uh, to the print there also because they were wanting to do some little agenda. And it's just, it's, it's mind-boggling that... You know, these things happen and it's just nobody seemed to notice. And then years go by and you'll have people posting, you know, oh, I want I want the good old days when when it was on the money and we just didn't care. And it was like, well, people forget that it wasn't always on the money. It was never meant to be on the money, but an agenda allowed it to get on the money. And they were really well at that agenda. And nobody seemed to notice that it happened and everybody just kind of rolled along with it. And now it's become part of our history and it's a part of our history that a lot of people have forgotten. And when they argue over it, a lot of people are not using actual facts and some people are using facts that have been, you know, misconstrued or, or a, a piece of the information was mixed up or forgotten. Like I might have just mixed up one of those three reasons back there a second ago because that just that's the nature of humankind. You, you remember playing that game phone booth where everyone sits in a circle and you say the one thing and you get to the end. And you're like, <laughs> Judy likes monkeys and goat cheese. That's not at all. I like to sneeze. It's it's just people, man, and and I think when you come across the people that are using the f bomb and they're just getting so violent and angry, that's when you just have to recognize that this person is someone you're not going to be able to have that kind of conversation with, and you need to tailor your conversations with that person or just completely cut off communications with that person because at the end of the day, it's one of those you know if you're going to surround yourself with negativity, it's just going to bring you down, and if you're around people that you're arguing with them all the time, trying to get your point across, and they're just not getting it, it just could be because they don't want to get it, or they're just so stubborn and in their own head and in their own belief system that they can't look beyond it. Um, you know, I, I I got into an argument the other day that that Oregon one, and I, all I was trying to explain to the guy was, you know, you're basically chumping everyone in over one little thing. And he just kept doing it. It was just like, wow, like you're making my point over and over again. And yet you don't see that. And it was really, it was an odd conversation. And eventually I just, I laughed and let it go. I mean, I even apologized to him like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. Clearly we're not going to get any farther with this. I'm just playing devil's advocate. You know, it was, it was just, it was hilarious though, because I recognized what he was doing and I was able to just let the emotional aspect of it go because it, it went from being like, I was getting irritated that he wasn't understanding that everyone in the state isn't a bigot because of one case. And eventually I was just like, okay, this guy's a lost cause. And I just had to walk away. Oh, so much I could say to this. Um, I guess, I mean, we're in an era in which we are as a society, and I think to some degree as a planet, but especially American society is much more divided than we have been in a long time. Uh, that tends to happen when we have economic downturns. It tends to happen uh, when there are heated political situations uh, heavy politically divided views, and when it's easy to throw around labels, generalizations, and false accusations 
Um, it's very easy when we have our first African-American president to simply throw out, as was happening so often during the 2008 election and shortly thereafter, of, well, you don't support the president because you're racist. I guarantee you if it's Carly Fiorina or Hillary Clinton running in 2016, it'll be, you don't support this individual because you are sexist. Although, I wonder how much that would happen with Hillary versus that happening with Fiorina. It seems to be that it's easier to throw around sexist comments if the or racist comments if the person who is being criticized that you're trying to deflect from is a Democrat. The Republicans tend to go for other lines of attack that a lot of times are equally as BS. Um, or if it's Ben Carson, will we see, well, you don't agree with Ben Carson because you're racist. Same thing, different party, black candidate. Um, we're in an era in which history and logic uh, generally don't seem to matter because so many people aren't versed in history or in how to think logically. Um, you know, all those founding fathers, those founding fathers, they were all racist. They, they left slavery around, so they were racist. Okay, you understand that the people, when it, when it came to the three-fifths clause in the Constitution, for instance, the one that says, basically, we're going to count um, slaves as three-fifths of a person rather than a whole person or not a person at all, the people who pushed for that, saying that they should be treated as three-fifths as opposed to treated as one— they weren't the racist. Those were the people saying, hey, if we allow slaves to be treated as a full person, the South in the House of Representatives, because of population, will have a permanent political majority. We will never be able to get rid of slavery. So let's compromise, drop down the percentage we count a slave as to have any hope of the North ever having enough of leverage in the House of Representatives to get both houses together to eventually get rid of slavery. Talk about buying your vote, man. Very much. Um, and just... I mean, that history, forget it. Call whichever side you want racist. Call whoever you want racist. It's just kind of like the label to be called these days. Um, again, logic and facts don't matter. Hands up, don't shoot. Didn't happen. It still becomes the mantra. At what point did we get to a point in society where the phrase all lives matter somehow is racist? <laughs> but it is. It's the way it's treated right now. Well, if you say all lives matter, then you're downplaying the black lives matter, and that means you're racist because you're not... No, I'm saying all lives matter. Black, white, red, brown, purple, alien, who gives a sh**? <laughs> Let the Wookiee all win! means all. But no, sorry, if you say that, you're racist. It's, and in part of it, I think it's because we now have access to two things. Uh, thanks to online culture. We have access to, one, the ability to be closed-minded to one point of view and find as many places as you want to reinforce your point of view and reinforce the idea that the other side who disagrees must be evil. You have to actively go out and choose to find multiple points of view. Mm -hmm. Right? You want to watch Fox? It's going to reinforce a conservative perspective. You want to watch MSNBC? It's going to reinforce a liberal perspective. You watch CNN? It's going to reinforce the fact that they really, really, really need viewers. Um... <laughs> You really need to be able to pull in from multiple sources to get a balanced perspective of what's going on. It's not all Republicans are good, all Democrats are bad, or all Democrats are good, all Republicans are bad. It's that there are ideas coming out of both sides, and you're probably going to agree with some from both. But you got to take the time to actually listen and hear what's being said instead of what's being said about the people that are saying it. Listen to the words and the ideas, not the ad hominem attacks. 
Um, so we can now sort of reinforce our own perspective if we want to and never come out of our own little bubbles, never come out and see the other perspective if we don't want to, which makes it easy to become very factionalized. Yeah. Um, and we have the ability to sit behind a computer, thanks to social media uh, in particular, sit behind a computer and just fire away with comments and flames and attacking other people on the shield of, well, I'm hiding behind my computer screen. I'm not having to say it to their face and risk getting punched so I can do whatever the hell I want, which is also a nice shield for ignorance because Mm -hmm. now everybody has a platform to speak, but no obligation to actually know what the hell it is they're talking about before they open their mouths or take fingers to keyboard. We have to actually make a choice to act responsibly and intellectually honestly when we interact online. We have to make a choice to act in a responsible and, depending on our position, professional way. I think that is why, and this is something that's going to come up when we talk about that preface to Aftermath, that is why I think Chuck Wendig is rubbing so many people the wrong way. Because his social media persona, which I do think is different than him in other venues, we'll talk about that later, um, but he tends to lash out and say, you know, you don't like the book because you're homophobes or you're, an, uh, you're a legends person and you just can't stand the new canon and make these generalizations attacking people and then deleting the posts where he does the attacking after he's made his point so that he can't be called on it later, even though people are taking screenshots of it. Why? Because you can hide behind your keyboard and be a big man and throw out that kind of stuff and then pretend that it's gone. He's not choosing to act in a professional manner, a responsible, respectful manner through social media. It's a choice. It's much easier to become the kid on the playground throwing mud at each other and calling people doo-doo heads, or homophobes in this case, than to actually make a valid point and actually address points of criticism in a logical, intellectually honest way. Um, It just doesn't tend to happen that much anymore. Um, We have great access to the, the information of humanity at our fingertips. Communication all around the world. But there's a lot of downside that comes with it when it comes to essentially the narrowing of our minds, the narrowing of our, our, our perspective historically, and simply the idea that nothing matters, that nothing matters anymore in how we act towards people, how we engage in discussion, that the, the sitting around a table and actually talking out an issue no longer matters anymore as long as you're able to get in the most F-bombs in your response and walk away feeling all proud of what you've done. Although my question, my last question on this would be to reference the case that Mark was talking about, here's what I'd like to know. Could we possibly get someone who is a Legends hater to sit down and bake a cake with Mara Jade on it for someone who loves it? Just saying. <laughs> you know, I, I think it comes down to the choice to sit and understand the other person. The weight of that choice makes it easier to walk away sometimes because like you were saying, Nathan, the, being on the other side of that computer, it's easier to walk away. You're not attached to that person. Now, the example I'm going to use here is my wife. My wife grew up Seventh-day Adventist. She believes Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, and we have a very difference of opinions as to what happens to us as souls upon death. Very, very different set of opinions. And she is staunchly in her camp on it. And I am staunchly on my camp on it. And for the most part, we had always agreed to just leave it be because we both agreed that in the end we won't know until we're dead. So it really doesn't matter. But eventually, your kids that you have together grow to a point where they want to start to know about 
religion and these type of things. And it came to, well, which point of view do you want your kids to be under? And and typically both parents want their kids to follow their own point of view. So it became an issue of my kids got to watch me and my wife basically have a religious debate about the merits of our own points of view while also explaining to the kids that we respect each other, even though we were getting very venomous at times about certain angles, but we kept it to the point where, you know, I, I wasn't attacking my wife. I, I did on occasions attack some of the beliefs that she had and I got chewed out for that. And I apologize. And, and, but, but we made it a thing so my kids could kind of understand where we were coming from and kind of come up with their own opinions. But, but it's an example of, you know, sometimes you can't walk away. Sometimes you have to find that path, that middle ground and find the, the, the things you have in common, like you were saying earlier, Nathan, I mean, that's the most important part. And I mean, I think like when it comes to like those people that really hate on legends and stuff and, and want to see it dead and are happy that it's no longer canon and stuff. It's like, I'm of the opinion. It's like, why can't you be happy that legends is its own universe? Why can't you want it to continue on its own as a separate thing? When so many of those same people have been saying it was never canon in the first place, which means that for the last 25 years, it was a known its own universe existing next to canon, putting out its own stories next to canon for 25 years, and they had no problem with it. But now that it's its own universe officially, well, now, by golly, we got a problem. We got to make sure that that universe doesn't grow because it's a threat. 25 years of it sitting there right next to it, but now it's a threat. I just like, I just, that, that's a weird one to me. It's like, why can't you just be accepting and be like, hey, you know what? Yeah, these Legends fans, they got the shaft. You guys really should at least like think about maybe wrapping up that universe for them. I mean, I'm really enjoying this new canon and stuff, and I wish they could enjoy it all too, but couldn't you at least throw them a bone and put stuff in print? I see that you're giving them stuff online still. You're still, you know, doing that kind of stuff. You still got Mara Jade showing up in some of these games like as a character you can fly an X-Wing in and stuff. You know, you don't have a problem throwing a Legends label and reselling that comic that has to do in that universe over the comic book store counter. Why can't all fans just come together and go, you know what, we love Star Wars. Why can't we have an alternate universe continue? You know, it's just one of those things where I just, I, it perplexes me and, and you know, there, there are no simple answers. That's for sure. Yeah, the last thing I would say to this would be, um, one, that I am a much happier person now that I'm not dealing with that kind of crap. So I do not regret the decision to walk away from those. Although anytime there's a presidential debate going on, I will tend to stop and sort of lift my own moratorium on talking the politics and talk about it just during the debate. And then as soon as the debate's over with pretty much, just go back to not. And I'll even say that, you know, I'm kind of opening it up and I'm just yeah. closing it back up in case I'm not going to respond. Um, I do feel like that's a, a decent response to the whole thing. But I feel like we're in a point where... Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we need to be able to look at other fans and say, we are a community of fans. This person that you're talking to who has a disagreement of opinion is not the enemy. It's not us versus them. We're all us. We're all Star Wars fans. But the them is just someone who has a different opinion than yours. Your job, if you have a difference of opinion you feel passionately about, is not to attack the other side. It's to convince the other side. And there's a huge difference. That I think a lot of people, a lot of people don't get anymore between simply attacking the other side and trying to convince and make the argument that your side is the correct side, that your point of view is the correct point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just so easy to get blasted. There is a, and this is something I haven't even mentioned to Mark yet, 
Um, but it's something I've been thinking about for a while. Um, there is a movement going on right now, or an effort going on right now. We know there's a lot of people who are dying in places like Syria for not being uh, uh, Islamist, not Islamic, but Islamist, uh, or not being Islamic enough for the Islamists. People who are essentially, if you don't adhere to these groups going around killing in their extreme version of the ideology, you're dead. And there's a movement going on right now to try to raise money to basically... Uh, they, they figured out that for a certain amount of money, you can get a family of, I think it's five, out of that area and set them up somewhere else for a year to get them out of there before they get killed. And money is being raised for that right now. This audience has been, was very big on helping me and my wife when we got to a point where we were drowning in the medical bills. And I feel like the audience that we have is very good-hearted people who want to try to do something, who want to try to help where they can. And I've been thinking about, at some point on this show, talking about that drive and suggesting that if you want to do something here, donate to this as I'm eventually going to. The thing of it is, the groups that are the, on the first list for them to try to save with this money that's being raised at a an, an insane Rate. They were trying to raise a million dollars in a matter of weeks and got it in like a couple days and then raised it more and then raised it more and they're just gathering it up to do as much good as they can. Um, the first groups that they're trying to save are Christian families in that region because they are definitely marked for death. It's very difficult to determine which other groups are likely to be killed because of how the, the, the killers are deciding you know, who's Islamic enough, for instance. But those who are the Christians, they're definitely targeted, so they're the ones being pulled right now. They're the ones that are the easiest to determine and get the heck out of there. You know you're helping somebody if you go to those groups. And I've been resisting bringing that up and putting that as part of the show to suggest that people will do it because you know what's going to happen. Someone out there is going to say, how dare you suggest that we support something that helps these Christians rather than these others? Because remember, all lives don't matter. Only certain ones do, apparently. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. It, but I've been feeling kind of a push to decide. I'm still thinking about it. You may, I mean, if I've decided to do it, you may even be hearing it before you hear this feedback episode. You may hear me mention it otherwise on this show. But there's been a struggle within me on that because I feel an urge to to do something. Uh, as, the, as the song that they are using as part of it is, you know, if not us, then who? If not me and you right now, you know... Well, who's going to do anything? But mm -hmm. even trying to do something good anymore, you got this shadow of the crap that could fall on your head because of how ungodly factionalized and PC we're trying to be as a society and how it's moving us, instead of making us more unified by being politically correct or by, by being so diverse, it's like, we're using it to tear ourselves apart, which makes no effing sense whatsoever in a modern society. Yeah, and, and it's usually it's those misunderstandings, those people that that are just blunt about, well, this is the way it is. I mean, I had shared a post. It was a political post about one of the guys running, and I had just shared it. I didn't say I was going to vote for the guy or anything. It was just, you know, an interesting message that my dad had shared, and I would shared it. And I had a friend come up to me in, in the comments and go, seriously, if you think that's the best thing for America, just unfriend me now. And then he unfriended me. And I was like, wow, like I didn't even say I was going to vote. I was just throwing this out there because I thought it was interesting, you know. Uh, but, yeah, 
he totally unfriended me and was like, you know, piss off. And I was like, wow, okay. Like, all right. Like, <laughs> I see where you sit. And again, I feel justified in my thought process of maybe I should never share this kind of stuff on Facebook. <laughs> Now that about wraps up this episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. We'd like to thank you once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom. Remember, you can always listen to our episodes streaming online on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes are also available on Stitcher and on iTunes, which we always encourage you to leave us a review while you're at it. You can also find links to our episodes on both our Twitter and Facebook pages at SW Beyond Films, or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in the search bar. Hey, but no matter how you get there, be sure to like our Facebook page. It's one of the best ways to interact with us. It's our own home one, if you will. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. So if you have any Star Wars and or Legends questions or you just want to comment about a past episode, fire off. You can always email us directly at swbeyondfilms at starwarsfanworks.com. Who knows? You might just be on our next feedback episode. Now, lastly, before we go, we wanted to mention you are sponsors audible if you go to www.audibletrial.com slash star wars report you get a free trial run of audible to see what they're all about our sponsors have more than 100,000 titles you can explore the star wars genre or any other without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate because audible members they can exchange any book within 12 months that's one year with no questions asked so in this digital age if you're thinking of making the switch from the page to the audiobook audible just might be right for you Especially if that book is Aftermath, because if you have any desire for good grammar, you're going to have a very hard time getting through that book. But when you listen to it as audio, all the sentence fragments make sense. So try Aftermath as audio if you're having trouble reading it in print. That's what I had to do. <laughs> Me too. So, once again, for Stars Beyond the Films, this has been Mark and Whistler. And Nathan. Saying thanks for listening, and may the force be with you. And don't quote us the odds that all of our tangential stuff this time, especially the state of the world kind of stuff, is going to draw some more interesting feedback, both good and bad. You know, I'm kind of in that same boat. Like, I'm fearing all this negative stuff coming our way, but we've managed to dodge it for so long that this just might put the target on the back of the bantha. But it's okay. Ladies and gentlemen out there, if you're a Star Wars fan, if I knew how to bake a cake without screwing it up, I'll bake a cake for you. I don't care what part of Star Wars you like. Of Star Wars Beyond the Films. Your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division at www.fm. Oh my god. Yeah. No, I grabbed an earlier feedback and it was literally like one of the first ones, so it's not at all what I've been saying. Give me just one second and I will get to 171 because that was a recent one. I'll try to make this quick. Come on, load, you son of a... <laughs> what the... Come on.
Come on, come on! Oh, Billy. Let's go faster, Billy. Go faster! Oh, come on now. Come on! It's taking forever, dude. Why is it taking so long? Jesus. I wonder if I can get it up on my phone faster. Okay, sweet. My phone did load better. All right. Okay, let me mute. That's right, Whistler. Welcome to episode 185 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast that let... This is the same one. All right, but the other one loaded. That's right, Whistler. You're welcome. That's right, Whistler. You're listening to episode... Mark, it was great meeting you, albeit for 10 minutes. Nate was hoping... Ow. No, comma. Damn you, Chuck Wendig! 